0: Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is the Arks of God. Now, I realize that may not sound real exciting, but actually, this is going to be extremely exciting. As a matter of fact, I'm going to suggest you're going to probably want to send this out to all your friends. They really want to look at that. So, what are the Arks of God? Actually, there's four, but I'm going to just start with three. As a matter of fact, I don't even think I'll be able to get through it. I'll probably have to break that into several segments. And also I want to send you to the right place. most I think all of these photos come from wyattmuseum.com. We recommend you send yourself there and spend some time and perhaps even donate to their ministry because they 've got a lot of really good information. Now, in case you're not familiar with this fact, my wife and I met Ron Wyatt back in 19 I think it was 89. And we invited him to speak at the Full Gospel Businessmen. This is Long for Prophecy Club. And he sent out a, an invitation to go to a two-week tour, an archaeology tour. And my wife and I decided we were going to go. God sent the money, and so we went. So in 1991, Leslie and I went with Ron Wyatt to see all of these things. Well, I think most all of them we're about to talk about today. First of all, we're going to talk about Noah's Ark. Moses' Ark, it's interesting, and also the Ark of the Covenant. All right, let's get started. First of all, let's start with Noah's Ark. Now, this is a picture taken from satellite, and I think if I remember, look, this is 1991. Okay, this is 30 years ago I heard all of this, so I'm doing pretty good to even come close to memorizing exactly what it was, but I think it was like in 1963. The Americans wanted to know if the Soviets had made any kind of bunkers or installations military-wise, and so they would just take photographs and they'd look over the photographs from time to time to see if there had been any change in the topography, and they saw this. And somebody said, hey, that's unusual. Well, everybody else just kind of glossed over it, as is common, but this Ron Wyatt guy had an ability I mean, I think it was the the hand of God to see things that others people just couldn't see. And I'll give you an example in a minute. So anyway, he went up and started investigating this. And he says, I don't hear God, but I do get strong impressions. He says, I was impressed to go up and check this object out. Now, let's back up and look at the scriptures on it. We'll start at Genesis 6, 14. I'm not reading all of them, just skipping to the main part. So Noah was told to make an ark of gopher wood. Okay, go to the lumberyard and ask for gopher wood, and they will look at you like you are crazy because there's no such thing as gopher wood. So what's gopher wood? It's what we call today plywood. In other words, he laid one this way and then one that way, another wood this way and another wood this way. And then after he had several layers of that, then he put a slab of iron on the outside and iron on the inside. Now to put all of the attach it together, what he did was drill a hole and then he punched up this spike that was hot and he did a rivet where you just put kind of like a uh, a washer over it and then you pound that down so that it's it's hard. And you do it on both sides. And that's the way the arc was riveted together. I'll show you that in a second. Make of thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch, or what we call today tar. Okay. But with thee will I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark. Thou and thy sons and the wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And the Lord said to Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have seen righteous before me in this generation. I'll skip comments there. We're gonna stay right on Noah's ark today. This is a picture. I have a picture that I actually took, very similar to this. But I did not go to the warehouse and spend hours digging all of the pictures out. But I have been to this spot and I've taken a picture very, very similar to this. But I did not take this one. Now you may be saying, "Well, where's Noah's Ark?" This is Noah's Ark. Okay, so right up here, when we were there, Ron said this little indention right here was what he thought was the door of the Ark of the Covenant. As I recall, it's about eighteen foot. Wide coming down the right side, and all of these are deck timbers in other words, the things that held it together. This is the back side of the boat, and then coming up the far side, like this. Now, when he first saw it in this, all of this uh, land was all around it, but he prayed and asked God somehow to reveal it. And sure enough, there was an earthquake in the area that dropped all of this land all from around this down around so that they could see this boat without excavating it now i could spend several hours talking about this and have many times but i'll just keep it brief today he says what he believes is it actually came to rest up here now this is not mount ararat because it the bible says it came to rest in the mountains of ararat well that's like saying the rocky mountains okay it's not just one mountain it's a whole range of mountains He believed it came to rest right up in here, and then through the years it got washed down here, and then right here was a big, like a nail, a big rock, and this nailed it to the side of the mountain. Otherwise, it would have been just washed down, broken up, and no one ever found it. So God arranged to preserve this. Why? Ron Wyatt kept saying that God told him that he had put enough in the earth under the earth to be able to prove his word when the time was right? Well, remember, that's what God told me. He says, I'm going to meet the devil, inch, for inch, step for step, pound for pound, every step he does, I'm going to meet him. Well, this is some of the ways he's going to meet the devil. Now, let's go on. Some other pictures. Here's another picture. It's a different picture, very similar. This is another picture of it. Somebody else took this. By the way, I hope I'm not uh, offending anybody. I got these off the Internet. I do have my own pictures, but frankly, I don't want to take the time to go dig them out. Here's another picture, all of the ark, uh, the Noah's Ark. Back to the scriptures. Genesis 721. And all flesh died, that movement on the earth, both the fowl and the cattle and the beast, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things and the fowls of heaven, they were destroyed from the earth. Noah only remained alive, and they that were with with him in the ark. So everybody died. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the ark, window of the ark, which he had made. Now, that's actually important, because I'm going to show you what we believe is the window here in just a second. So it says, the window of the ark which he made. Now, you have to understand, (laughs) uh, I don't have time to cover all of this. I know I'm not going to get through all of this, but see, before the flood, there was no summer and winter. It was a year round, same growing season. So all of the trees, first of all, grew extremely big and very strong, but they had no growth rings. Why did they have growth rings? Because there was no summer and winter. All of the wood was just solid wood. That's one of the ways that we know the difference between pre-flood wood and post-flood wood. Now, when I was there, Ron took us up. As I think about it, I don't think I have that picture. But it was this, what looked like a piece of bark, except for a little smaller than a Volkswagen. I mean, it's huge. And the circumference would have made that tree probably bigger than any tree on Earth. And he tapped it with a—I've got all this on video, which, by the way, you can watch the video. It's up on WatchProphecyClub.com. Anyway, he hit it with a rock, and it sounded like hitting the side of a guitar. I mean, you can hear me on the videotape. I go, huh. (laughs) It surprised me. So anyway, so it came to pass in the end of 40 days. He opened the window of the ark. Now, he had to throw that window off, which was bark, and he found a piece of the bark there. And he sent forth Raven, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried upon uh, from off of the earth. Now, this is somewhat, as I recall, Ron Wyatt didn't actually make this, but someone else made this kind of a mock up of what they thought, because the Noah's Ark had three levels, one level, two level and then three levels. And I know that's kind of a grainy picture. There's probably better ones, but they don't want to put it up in the ark uh, on the Internet for people to get. This is uh, a deck timber that him and some archaeologists uh, found there. He did a lot of tests on it, and essentially, yeah, that's the gopher wood. This way, this way, with iron on this side and iron on that side, with the, the, uh, uh, the rivets holding it together. And he's done experiments on that and all kinds of tests, but I'll skip on. I've actually been to this place. Now, I wish they had the whole background there. Again, I've got a nice picture of it, even got videotape of it. Go to the WatchProphecyClub.com and you can watch the videotape. Anyway, on here, what you can't see on this grainy photograph is there's actually eight crosses here. But the interesting part is this hole. Because, you know, we would think to just drill a hole straight through the rock. Oh, by the way, what is this? Well, that's what he calls an anchor stone. Uh, How can I explain? I need something to explain. Oh, here we go okay let's say let's say that this is the boat okay, so it it was like a washing machine. It rained for forty days and forty nights. I mean, we had water coming down, we had the the crusts of the earth broken, we had water coming up, and so the boat was 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 like this, so they had to have a stabilizer, so he believed that there was twelve stones that were hmm, how can I do this? I'm kind of doing this impromptu. 12 stones that were suspended off of the end like this so try to imagine a bunch of stones down here and the reason is because that way if the wind is blowing from this direction it would automatically then orient the boat like this that way as the waves are going like this they would be riding the waves because if they didn't have that then it would tend to cause the boat to tip over also as these anchor stones are down here when the boat goes down, the anchor stone tends to hold it in the water, and as the boat goes up like this, the anchor stone would would sink, and so those anchor stones kept the boat oriented into the wind. Or, yeah, into the wind. Actually, it's the back part of the wind, and it also, instead of doing this, the boat was just doing this. It stabilized the boat. Well, as he started coming into this area, I can see right now, I'm not getting through this whole thing. I probably have to do this several times, uh, over several days. Anyway, so as he started getting to the close part where he's going to land, these anchor stones were deep at various levels. So as one of them would hit, he would cut that off and just let it go ahead and and drop. Then the winds continue to blow him up into where he's going to finally land, and eventually... Maybe only one or two uh, anchor stones are actually left on the boat to actually anchor it as it stops. Well, he said as he went there, he said he could he could like follow the boat because he kept finding these the, the, the local people would say, "Okay, come here, let me show you, come here, let me show you," and kept showing him these anchor stones now now here's the interesting part of the anchor stone. He said that the rope must have been about this big around he's because in and I have I've been to this very stone. I've had my hands up in that stone. I've looked up in that stone. In that hole, I've felt all up in there. Here's what it is. If you were to, I should have been better prepared for this. But what, what they did was they put this big rope, about this big round, through this hole, and then they tied a knot. But if this hole had been just round, like you drilled it with a hole, or like, like a, a drill bit, then with the rough seas and everything, would have caused it to chafe, break the rope, knot falls off, and you lose the anchor stone, and you're in a world hurt. Very smart, though. What they did is they they carved up inside there. How can I say? Okay, try to imagine taking a rope. You make a big knot, and then you pack clay all around that knot. You let the clay harden, and then you carefully cut around it and you pull that off. then you would have an exact replica of the size of that knot. Well, that's what its it was like up inside that hole so that it held that knot without it moving around so it wouldn't chafe and break. It was ingenious. I mean, whoever did this was extremely smart and extremely skilled to whittle up inside that hole so that knot, he put it through, tied the knot, pulled it back in there and and, and got it exactly right, so it wouldn't chafe. Now, I asked him this, I said, but, you know, a big stone like that with just a, a small hole like that, wouldn't it break? He said, well, it would normally, but this stone is in water. And he said, so it, to a certain degree, well, it doesn't float, but to a certain degree, it floats. In other words, the normal jerking wouldn't be there because of the water. And he said, and None of them pulled out like that. So he began to find these anchor stones as they got closer to Noah's Ark. Now, let me go on. While we were there, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give their names in case somebody knows them. But good friends of mine in uh, Oman, Nebraska at the time, Frank and Debbie Barnes, I invited them to go to this Noah's Ark tour with us. They went there. We were walking around, Frank and Debbie Barnes, the one that actually found this rivet right here. This is actually a rivet. In other words, where they, they, they have the, the gopher wood, they drill the hole, they put the washer over it, and then they hammer it down. This is a hammered-down rivet. See, because in nature, you don't get exact straight lines, you don't get exact 90-degree angles, and you don't get exact circles. So this is not natural. This is a different one, not natural. Here you can see this is probably the big washer that they used out here. You can see the washer kind of right here. But this is a rivet, meaning first you would run into iron, and he did. And then behind that, it was petrified wood. How do we know it's petrified? How do we know it's pre-flood wood? Because there's no growth rings. You see, I mean, there's there's too many things like this. Again, we went to know, as a matter of fact, I... I've got a piece of Noah's Ark upstairs and I probably I, I threw this together real quick. <laughs> I I could actually make a pretty interesting presentation if I took the time to. But anyway, let's go ahead. So here's another picture of the ark, but the the point I, I think I want to point out here is this is a visitors center that the uh, nation of Turkey erected because they recognized that this is truly Noah's Ark. And you see those little dots on there? I don't know for certain, but I have other pictures, and those are probably sheep. That shows you the size of this boat. It's like the size of a World War II aircraft carrier. Rascal is huge. Uh, 300 cubits, just like the Bible says. Now let's go to Moses' ark. Now I can spend a couple of hours on Noah's ark, but I'm going to try to cover as much as I can today. Now let's talk about Moses' ark. Now there's not a whole lot to Moses' ark, but what became of it, uh, as a result of it, is something really, really big. Okay, so let's go to the scriptures. So the woman conceived, bare a son, goodly child, hit him three months till finally she could no longer hit him because the Pharaoh said that the Hebrews are getting too strong and so commanded all of the male childs to be tossed into the Nile River to kill them. But Noah's mom, or excuse me, Moses' mom, by the way, Moses in Hebrew is pronounced Moshe. Which means drawn out. She put it, made an arc of rushes, daubed it with slime or pitch, same thing, or uh, crude oil. Put him in the river's bank, and then the daughter of Pharaoh found him. Consequently, uh, they looked for a woman to breastfeed, and lo and behold, Moses' mom just happened to be there. And so they said, tell you what, if you come in here, you take care of the child. We'll raise him in the Pharaoh's house and I'll give you all of the the money and the meals and everything that you need. So God arranged for Moses to be raised up in Pharaoh's house. Why? Because Moses is going to have to go back in Pharaoh's house and tell him, let my people go. So he had to understand that he also had to be known. And all of this was by the hand of God. Now, let's go on. And she opened and saw the child. This is the Pharaoh's daughter. And the, the 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 child was crying, touched her heart. So she called the child's mother, take the child, nurse it. I'll give you your wages. So mom raised her child in Pharaoh's house. Pretty slick idea. So then, years later, God comes to Moses. You remember the story? There's a burning bush. So God comes to him and says, "I'm come down to deliver the children of Israel out from the hand of the, of the Egyptians." And I'm going to bring them into a good land, and a large, and a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, what's the milk and honey? Okay, now I'm not, you know, should have prepared better for this. I'm sorry, but I do have this. I keep this on my desk all the time. This, I know that that it looks like honey, doesn't it? But you can tell it's, um, it's, it's lighter viscous than like alcohol or even water. This is actually yellow crude oil and I'm going to try to hold it up close so you can see. Maybe the light's getting on it good. This is yellow crude oil. And if I take that cap off, I have a visitor maybe may be coming to my office sometime, I'll take the cap off. You can smell propane, butane. Uh, it's all kinds of crude oil, um, gasoline, kerosene, because this is yellow crude oil. When he says, get you up, I'm, I'm sending you in a land floor with milk and honey. We believe this is a honey. In other words, if you look at this, there. Does that help you see it a little bit better? That's that's the light that I stick up here so you can see my face. There. This yellow crude oil. We believe that that's talking about the honey. Now, when uh, Andy Sorrell, and I believe it was 1973, drilled a hole in uh, western Israel to 20,232 feet, He hit yellow-colored crude oil, or the honey-colored crude oil. He tried some. He he drilled some other holes, and he had a light showing of natural gas, and he said that it came out of sand as white as table salt. So we believe when God says, "I'm sending you a land flowing with milk and honey," the way we would say today, "I'm sending you a land that flows with gas and oil." (laughs) Interesting, huh? And, of course, I've found 30 scriptures that says in the last days, massive amounts of wool will be found in, in in Israel. And I guess I'll say one more thing. June 14th of 2008, after I spoke in Amarillo, that was the night the Lord spoke to me audibly and said, quote, Stan, I will give you the money to drill the well in Israel. And I said, the oil well in Israel? <laughs> but there was no answer. It was like, no, son. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but so, so I believe there'll be a time when we get to go over and drill for that oil. Okay, so let's go on with the story here. Taking way too much time. Good land, a large flowing with milk and honey, into a place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, or what is today largely Israel. But there's more. Verse 16. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch thine hand over the sea and divide it. In other words, this is where. They're going to walk through and dry ground through the midst of the sea. And the Egyptians pursued in, went in after them. Now, I'm going to show you something you probably haven't seen before. Even all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen. And it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down on the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud. And here it is. Troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels and so that their chariots would drag heavily. Okay. In other words, so so an east wind hit the, 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 the Red Sea and hit it so hard it caused walls of ice. The Bible says it was congealed or ice. And the children of Israel went down in, but they weren't all the way across when all of a sudden God let released the Egyptians. So as the Egyptians are catching them, God has the angels take off their chariot wheels off of the chariots to slow them down, to give the children a visual time to get on across uh, the Red Sea. Now, I think that's interesting, because if we were to go down into the Red Sea, would we expect to find the chariot wheels on the chariots, or would we expect to find the chariot wheels off of the chariots? Well, if the Bible's true, and of course we know it is, we would expect to find the chariot wheels off of the chariots. Now, we would expect to find some, uh, say, like, this is a wheel, okay? We'd expect to find some look like that. We'd also expect some to find, like, you know, with the, the axle sticking up like that. We might even find some like that, okay? So we'd expect to find the chariots dismembered or dismantled heavily. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of the Israel, for the Lord fight us for them against the Egyptians. So Ron Wyatt went down and did some scuba diving in the Red Sea, where he believed that the uh, whole Red Sea incident took place. And guess what he found? That's right. He found chariot wheels under the sea. Now, you may be saying, well, what is that? Okay, well, so let me show you. So this is the round part of the wheel. okay, and then what is this? This is the axle of the wheel sticking up. In other words, we got the wheel and then we got the axle sticking up. So that's what you're looking at in that picture. Here's another one. Now this, where is someone has, has overlaid a six spoke wheel, we go into the um, Antiquities Museum there in Cairo, I've been there, and this is what the six spoke wheels of the chariots look like. So they've kind of drawn that in to help you to see it a little bit better. Here's another one. Same thing. One, two, three, four, five. Kind of hard to see. And that is a wheel. Well, it just wasn't one or two of them. They were all over. Now, Ron took this picture. He said this one was gold covered. He said, now the wood inside, of course, (laughs) some 3,000 years later, 2,500 or whatever it was, uh, (coughs) all the wood was rotten out of it. <coughs> he didn't want to destroy it, so he didn't touch it, just took a picture of it. But he said this is probably Pharaoh's chariot, because it was golden covered chariot wheel. Probably the whole thing. If they look down there long enough, the they'd probably find the whole gold covered chariot down there. Now here's some other pictures that other people have seen there and put some drawings to kind of help you to see it. So it's further proof to say yes, the Bible is true. It really is. It's true. When we were there, now again, this is not my picture, but I do have a picture of this same pillar, and we were we were actually standing around on this concrete. What what happened was, uh, Ron believes that there was that King Solomon ordered one of these to be erected at the entrance, and also the exit points of the crossing site of the Red Sea, and you'll have to go to Ron, Ron White Museum and watch the videos, and it'll tell you all of the. The ancient writing they found on it and all this. Anyway, so somebody came along and put it up in concrete so it wouldn't fall over anymore. But that's marking the exit point, as I recall. Back to the scripture. Exodus fourteen twenty six, And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea, and the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horses. Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength. In other words, those ice walls begin to melt. Now, say something else, a little hard to explain here. So when that east wind hit the Red Sea, it hit in one place. But as it went out, it expanded out in kind of a a V format. And we believe that the entrance was on the far side. And what happened was when those ice walls begin to break, I don't know if you can see this here, but as they begin to break on the far side, okay, those ice walls begin to break, then the water would begin to come in like this. So we've still got ice walls, but now water is flowing in back behind the Egyptians, and it's filling that up. Of course, you can imagine the Egyptians turn back and they see this wall of water. (laughs) They're in trouble. Well, that wall of water then hits those Egyptians and just Of course, it drowned them, but they're rolling and they're rolling and they're rolling and they're rolling. And And I'm going to show you the scriptures here in just a second. It washed them up on the shore. Why? Because it turned all of their gold, all of the most advanced weapons that the world had, because the Pharaoh's army was the greatest army on the earth at the time. So it turned all of the weapons of the greatest army over to the Hebrew slaves. Watch. Moses stretched forth his hand in the sea and returned to his strength early in the morning, appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them, but the children of Israel, here it is, walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall in them on, on the right and on their left, and the blast of the nostrils of the waters were gathered together and the flood stood upright as a heap and the depths were congealed or frozen, their walls of ice congealed in the heart of the sea. And the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, and they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Okay, there's another scripture that says, and they found the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. I thought that was next, but it's not. But we'll go on. So that's the second arc. And I'm going to try to go on to the third arc here. Third arc is the Ark of the Covenant. Now, again, in 1991, Leslie and I went on this tour with Ron Wyatt. And no, I have not seen the Ark of the Covenant, nor have I been in the cave where the Ark of the Covenant is. However, he did take us down to the cave, and I have videotape of this. I think it's on WatchProphecyClub.com to prove it. But we were down in this cave, and Ron Wyatt said that we were within a stone's throw of the Ark of the Covenant at the time. And I looked over, and I saw an area. Now, I couldn't take you back. Thirty years later, I, I, I couldn't find the place if you if you took me there. So don't think I know where it is. I, I don't. But I do remember, I turned over, and I thought, hmm, that's where he got in. I didn't say anything, but... I thought that's that's the more modern entrance. Let's go on, though. So this is an artist rendering of something similar to what the real Ark of the Covenant looks like. Now, Ron Wyatt told me he has changed several things in case some enterprising person decided they wanted to make the thing. So it's not exact, but it's close enough to get the point. There's a couple of things I need to point out. One, Ron Wyatt said, this is the lid. All of this right here. This is the lid. And he said that that was 600 pounds of solid gold. Uh, tain't no one man can lift, the, lift that. <laughs> you Got to have a bunch of people. Also, this is the mercy seat. Now, why do they call it the mercy seat? Because this is a chair. This is the throne of God on Earth. And if you notice right here is the triangle where does God say he will commune with them between the cherubims? This is a cherubim. This is a cherubim. And then inside that went the Ten Commandments and then the poles covered with gold. The whole thing covered with gold is right here. Now, some people believe that this is some kind of like a capacitor. It uh, gathers energy around it. Uh, maybe it's a capacitor. Maybe it's not. But it does or it did hold the glory of God. It does not hold the glory of God anymore, because God is in our heart today. As a matter of fact, Ron White says, "Oh yes, I've touched it, I've handled it." He said, "Because the glory of God's not there anymore. The glory of God is in us." Here's another reader's uh, artist drawing of it, and of course, the blood of the goats were on the west side. Or excuse me, the east side. And then the blood of Jesus was on the west side of the Ark of the Covenant. This is an angel with the wings. This is uh, the angel with the hat there. This is the scepter, which he said, again, this is not exact, but it's close enough for you to get the point. Here's a different kind of an artist drawing. And the, the, you can go to Ron White Museum or something. Look up Ron White. You, you, you'll find it. Uh, back at the beginning of the video, it shows you what it was. Uh, but. That's a pretty good analogy, or a drawing, makes it very similar. Exodus twenty-five, ten, and they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half, or about two foot by three foot. Shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half. As I recall, I think that's that's correct. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Within and without shalt thou overlay it, and thou shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. These are not correct. These drawings are not correct. That's not way the Ark of the Covenant looks. Anybody that says this is, <laughs> they haven't seen the real Ark of the Covenant. Thou shalt cast four rings of gold, put them in the four corners thereof, and the two rings shall be in one side of it, two rings on the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shed and wood and overlay them with gold, and thou shalt put the staves in the rings by the sides of the Ark, and the Ark may be borne by them. That's how they moved it, by these big long poles. The stays shall be in the rings of the ark, and they shall not be taken from it. And thou shalt put in the ark the testimony, or the Ten Commandments. This is Ron and another person inside the, um, the cave near the Ark of the Covenant, where they're doing some work. This is one of the entrances where they were working. That shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Again, a mercy seat. Two cherubims of gold, two ends of the mercy seat, all according to that. Their faces shall look one to another, as that one did. Thou shalt put a mercy seat above the ark. I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat and from between the two cherubims. This is a picture. He said, I can't get a picture. He said, because every time I do, it blurs my film, whether it's photograph or whether it's video. He said, I've taken a video, like, say, the ark of the covenant is here. And he says, I can see cave, 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 blur. Cave, 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 blur, cave, cave. He's like, I can't take a photo. I can't take a video. So this is someone, it might have been probably with Ron's help, that went in and drew this is what you're seeing. In other words, the top picture is helping you to see, the top drawing is helping us to see what's in the bottom picture so that we can understand it. So this is the mercy seat here. This is the top of the mercy seat. This is actually what it looks like. And there's the drawing, and I'll let you pause and look at it more. Here's a different artist's drawing. Again, do not expect that to be exact, but it gives you an idea. Again, a different artist's drawing. Dash will put the mercy seat above the ark, and it is. Now, why is that important? Because when Jesus was crucified, it said that the rocks were rent. And the, when the sword went into his side, out came blood and water, and it went right down this crack. And this crack went through the escarpment, down the lid that on the stone box, cracked, not by accident, of course, cracked, and it allowed the blood to go in and drip on the Ark of the Covenant. Here's a better way to look at it. So the sword went in and released the blood, it went down through and dripped on the Ark of the Covenant, fulfilling all of the Levitical covenants concerning sacrifice. Because if Jesus' blood did not land on the Ark of the Covenant, then he did not fulfill the uh, the requirements of a, a sacrifice. And, of course, it did, and he is, and he is truly the Lamb of God. Here's a better drawing of it. So here's Jesus. Here's the blood coming down. Uh, and I'm sorry, I don't know who... Dr- <laughs> drew this as a very fabulous drawing. Um, hope we don't offend anybody by using it. We're trying to, to get the truth out here. This is the tabernacle, another drawing of it. So this is where the Ark of the Covenant was in the tabernacle. So here's a summary. The first Ark of Noah saved the righteous. All sinners were destroyed. Second Ark saved Moses, which saved all Israel. All the sinners of Pharaoh's army were destroyed. The third Ark saved the righteous. All sinners judged with that remission. Final Ark is the home of the righteous. So briefly, let's talk about the final Ark. John said, I saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And God is with them, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears in their eyes, and there should be no no more sorrow nor death, Now, there, there should be no, no more tears. God shall wipe all tears in their eyes, there should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor pain, neither should there be any more for, uh, pain for the former things that passed away. I, I butchered that, but read it. Now, here's the question. Which one of these more accurately is described as being what the real tabernacle or the New Jerusalem looks like? Well, here's a hint. They're all, it's made of gold, but it's clear as crystal. So this is what it actually looks like. Clear as crystal. Transparent as crystal. Clear as glass. Hey, this is Stan, and I am in front of the church. That is the new sign that you guys gave us, and I wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's Whataburger. That's our new sign. That is all lighted up. People pull through Waterburger and they place the order here and they have to look up at our sign. And this is my thank you to all of you. You gave us that sign. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Click like, share, subscribe, and send to a friend.